everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Tacticam. Tacticam is by far the easiest way to begin filming your hunts. Whether it's the 4K 5.0 or the budget-friendly solo, Tacticam has something for everyone. Check them out at Tacticam.com. This year, we're also working with Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge is machine learning for the deer woods. Basically, Spartan Forge takes collar deer studies, insurance car deer accident information, social media geolocations, and it couples that with weather, moon phase, and rut activity to tell you when or when not to be in the woods. This currently has an online interface at SpartanForge.ai, but the app is currently being built and set to launch late summer. Once the app goes live, you can expect there to be a price increase, but if you use code bowhunter, you can save 25% and that will stick with you as long as you use the Spartan Forge services. So head on over to SpartanForge.ai and get your free 14-day trial. You guys ever wonder what goes into these web shows? It seems like you have the same big name shows on YouTube and then other hunting content has a handful of views. And if you're like me, you just scroll right by thinking this can't be good. It's only got 20 or 30 views. Today, we're talking with Chad and JT who produced the web show on the Pride Outdoor Network, Redneck Rising. Now they have just over a thousand subscribers on YouTube and their views aren't that high, but they got nearly 300,000 views on the Pride Network last month. So we talk about the benefits of web show versus YouTube versus traditional TV, uh, how they handle sponsors and things like that. I think you guys are really going to like this episode. But first, I got to say congratulations to a number of our Patreons. Jerry, Adam, Naomi, our only female Patreon, Isaac, Tim, two of his boys shot turkeys. I'm not sure that Tim's killed one yet. And then Tom. Uh, he killed one. He doubled up with his son. So um, there's guys out there killing turkeys, supporting the show. Maybe you're not having the greatest luck in the turkey woods and you, you're thinking, how can I help my luck? Well, you could choose to support our show via Patreon, just like uh, these fine folks. Um, and you could check that out on patreon.com forward slash podcast, or you just go to bowhunterchroniclespodcast.com and click on the Patreon link. Patreon is just a crowdfunding for creators. And basically what that does for us is that allows us to get more equipment, um, to travel around, uh, you know, all the things, all the hosting fees, all the equipment. This podcast was done via Zoom, pays for, uh, you know, the premium Zoom so we can do more than 40 minutes, uh, etc. But we also give back. So this quarter, uh, we're giving away from Tacticam. Tacticam is giving a fisheye package. And the boys are going to be heading over this weekend to do some walleye fishing, going to be utilizing the Tacticam fisheyes waterproof they can be submersible um, they've got a loop mode um, 1080 they work with the remotes i mean these are just really great cameras and tacticam has given us uh, a package to give to you guys um, we have purchased and are anxiously awaiting the arrival of one of dan's new beast stands uh, so we're going to have one of the new hunting beast stands to give away um, base map we work with base map they give away uh, one of their one-year subscription packages, 
Uh, we've got a code you can use, code Chronicles, and save 20%. It makes it $2 a month for the entire country, uh, for everything they have to offer. They've got lakes, they've got rivers. You know, over the summer, you know, people are going to be doing a lot of fishing. Um, tons and tons of layers. Uh, but Basemap gives away a swag pack as well as uh, one of their pro packs. Spartan Forge uh, is giving away a year subscription to Spartan Forge. You can check them out at SpartanForge.ai. Um, and then Zingers, the Zinger Fletchings 3D printed uh, pliable compression fit fletchings. Uh, they're giving away a, a set of those as well. Um, so if you guys want to get in on that, um, also shirts, we've got two new patrons, uh, Kyle out of Indiana and then Ryan from Missouri. Uh, I'm going to get those shirts in the mail actually today. So basically my workflow is get the podcast produced, then ship out all the stuff. And that's what I'm going to be doing. But again, if you guys want to be involved in that, if you want that extra luck, you think it's going to help you kill a turkey, um, go to patreon.com forward slash Bullhunter Chronicles podcast, sign up and help support the show. We really do appreciate it. Um, just want to thank everybody. I know you guys are going to enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Hey everybody, Adam and John back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And uh, tonight we have a video, this is going to be a Zoom podcast, so you guys can check this out on YouTube. We have uh, JT and Chad from Redneck Rising, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, we think of, I guess, we've always thought of hunting shows as being, um, you know, on TV, like kind of like the outdoor channel, sportsman's channel. Uh, but now we're getting into more things with like web shows and things like that. Like, uh, our friends, uh, time's up there on carbon. Um, there's even some podcasts like working class bow hunter there on carbon. Um, you know, the time's up guys, they, they do their podcast episodes on carbon as well as, as things. Uh, but there's other options like that. Um, and so redneck rising is kind of one of those JT's one of our Patreons and, uh, he's a, I met, or got connected with him through um, uh, another one of our patrons, but a guy I went to pharmacy school with, with uh, Kyle, and they competed together um, in, like, the train-to-hunt events and stuff like that. And then, you know, he's been filming and following along, and I've been following along with the, the Redneck Rising show and everything, and so we brought him on here to talk. So um, how are you guys doing this evening? Doing good. Yeah, doing great. Thanks. So, like you know, as we always start off, like what is the, your, you, your guys's hunting history. And I guess, first of all, like, you know, where are you guys located and how did you guys connect with this whole, you know, team of, of redneck rising? Go ahead, JT. Um, yeah, so I'm pretty, uh, centrally located in New York, uh, down towards the Pennsylvania border though. Um, I've been hunting for eight years, uh, not a strong, uh, history, my family hunted, but uh, I never, never really got into it till I moved out east. Um, I'm fr- originally from the West Coast up in Northern California. Yeah, I mean, I, I started self-filming maybe four or five years ago, just goofing off with some friends, and uh, we kind of wanted to take it a little bit serious, and uh, we did that for a little bit, and uh, just like challenging myself and making things a little bit harder, and I have a mutual friend with uh, Chad, and kind of asked him what to uh what to do to get to the next step. And he hooked me up with Chad and we had a long conversation and kind of hit it off and that led to uh, redneck rising. So I know Chad's been doing uh, redneck rising for I think three or four years, um, but dabbled a little bit with film and, and whatnot before that. But Chad's also from New York. 
Yeah, I'm from uh, Western New York. I'm, uh, I'd say about, well, now I'm about 45 minutes south of Rochester and probably about an hour east of Buffalo, but it's a uh, cash crop, you know, area where we're at. So we got, we're lucky we got a lot of uh, good, uh, good quality food in the area, pretty good genetics. And uh, it's not what most people think about when they, when they think about New York. We've had actually in the area, yeah, a guy just broke the New York state record. I can't remember if it was 200 and 20 inch buck that was just killed out in Niagara County. But uh, yeah, I mean, I started, I started bull hunting at 14. Um, and, you know, to answer your question to get into filming, um, I, I basically started uh, working on my own bows. I think it was 1994, 1995, um, because I started shooting pretty competitive in the local 3D tournaments. And um, ended up starting an archery shop in 2008. I'm a, I'm a full-time deputy sheriff with the Livingston County Sheriff's Office and uh, met Cleed Spooner, who's on Strut and Buck, and he knew that I was doing a little bit of filming um, just, just with my son. You know, we just bought a system, a pretty decent system, and we'd been doing some filming, and Cleed came out to the archery shop that I had uh, before I sold it, and we met, and uh, we hit it off, and, and I started with uh, Crossroads TV, we did that for about a year, year and a half, and um, dynamics are tough, man. I think uh, I think JT and I got a pretty good thing going right now. Cleed's a great friend still, but it was uh, some of the other ends of the team kind of fell apart, and um, so Cleed's still a, a really good friend, and I consult with Cleed a ton. He's only 20 minutes from my house, so he's he's helped me a little bit with the, you know, the self-teaching um, with editing in the, the first season of Redneck Rising, which we just completed uh, season three. And uh, JT's been with us since uh, season two. So and he's been a great addition. And to be honest with you, um, it's just to the point now where it's too much for me to do, do anything else uh, as far as editing anybody else's stuff. So JT's editing his family, including his brother and little Maddie, which everybody loves. And then uh, I, I have myself and Jody, Derek and Marissa. Okay. And so one of the reasons that I wanted to, to talk to you guys, and I always look at everything from like the listener's perspective, like whether it's like, you know, finding a buck bed or, you know, learning more about what to look for in the field or like from this perspective is like, I feel like everybody says, oh yeah, you know, they, they see this stuff on YouTube, they see stuff on TV and they're like, I don't, care for the stuff on tv i want to do you know me and my buddies so they're like i'm gonna get a gopro and we're gonna start a youtube channel and we're gonna get sponsors and everything's gonna be great um you know so what from from your perspective chad because it sounds like you've kind of gone down like the tv road through like what you're doing now like what are the main differences between like say youtube or what is a web show um and these these networks and where can you find them and things like that versus tv and other things versus the time constraints and everything that you're you're talking about there sure so so the reality is this anybody can pay to be on the pursuit channel and any of those channels it's how much they want to pay versus what what their sponsors are putting into them so some of these big shows that uh you know have you know millions of views a, a month or during their you know their uh, analytic period they're paying probably a hundred thousand dollars for that to get the advertising. That's the cool thing. I picked on JT a lot because he was in love with the hunting public, but now I'm, now I'm hooked. And um, I mean, the, the reality is you can pay. It's a matter of what you're going to get back out of your sponsor. So what's cool about the hunting public and kind of cool about us is we don't sure everybody wants free stuff or wants to work with somebody, but we're, 
I'm not looking for a name or title. I'm not pro staff anything. JT's at the same mindset. I'm, I, we try to stay away from that cliche, pro staff this, pro staff that. Um, we're lucky because when I had the archery shop, I have a lot of outdoor connections, you know, through the Archery Trade Association and through a lot of my reps that I used to work with for 10 years. So we're lucky um, in a sense that I became good friends with Craig McCulloch, who's, who uh, is our Bowtech rep for Bowtech Northeast. And then Eric Matland, who's an OutTech rep, um, you know, with Easton has hooked us up with Easton. So we're really fortunate there. Um, you know, we're, it's, it's a product sponsorship. I mean, there's nothing, we're, we're not getting paid. Um, I, I don't even know, to be honest with you, what, what gets you paid on YouTube. I mean, we're, we're barely over a, a thousand subscribers, which is, which is cool. It's a feat in itself. Um, I'm kind of a, a loner or homebody where I, I kind of hate technology and reality. So it's funny that I'm doing this. And um, it's, it's funny that uh, Cleed's kind of pushed me into the social media thing. I'm still working on the Instagram thing and trying to, you know, create those followers. But this, at the same time, JT will tell you, I like to disappear for a week or two and you don't hear from me. And, and that's what happens when the hunting season starts. I get just so obsessed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's so back to your question. Um, the TV, if you want to, if you want to be on the pursuit channel or something like that, then, you know, fork up, I think that the minimum is like 4,500 bucks and it depends on how many times you're going to air a week and to get your exposure. And uh, you see, you can get your money back through your sponsors or, or get a title sponsor. When we did Crossroads TV, I actually title sponsored the, uh, the show. So that drapes archery. I was at the time. Um, I think I paid $4,000. I pretty much paid for the title sponsorship for Crossroads TV and uh, Cleed did a good job getting a lot of the other sponsors and product sponsors. Um, but the reality is for the cost of what it costs you to do YouTube, um, I mean, the, the hunting public's a prime example. I mean, they're just, I, I'd, I'd much rather tune into those guys right now than I would uh, to sit down and watch a pursuit channel or anything like that. And I think that's, I think really that's, everything's trending that way. And I think everything's trending towards the shorts, the uh, eight to 12 minutes, because everybody's on the run. Everybody's watching from their phone when they're drinking their coffee in the morning, they get a quick episode of something and, and move on with their day. And I, that's just the speed we're moving at now. No one wants to sit down for 25 minutes to watch an episode anymore. So I, I think that, uh, and when I was working with Rob Workmeister with Ruger, um, you know, everything that Cleed was telling me was exactly what Rob told me. My, my first meeting with him, he's like, yep, he, Cleed obviously knows what he's talking about because that's exactly what we're looking for. He cared more about my Instagram than he did about our subscribers on YouTube. And he's like, what, what's your Instagram following? I'm like, I don't know, like 200, <laughs> and, you know? So he's like, you need to get working on that, buddy. So I think that if, you know, if your goal is to monetize your, your web show, um, you know, then obviously you have to put together a plan um, to, you know, to endorse sponsors, to, to pay for that. If your goal is to have a web show and to not monetize it, then you kind of have free range to be on whatever network or, or channel that you choose to do. Um, we're part of the Pride Network, and uh, you know that's that's worked really well for us, and uh, we've been getting really good analytics. Chad can talk to those a little bit, um, but you know we've been utilizing that, and any sponsors that we do have, um, you know, having those numbers has definitely um, helped us you know, have that conversation and put together a business deal. But for the most part, it's, it's, you know, do you want to try and monetize your show or do you not want to try and monetize your show? I think the vast majority go down the the avenue of like a YouTube or, you know, maybe they'll pay a little bit into like a pride network. Um, but for the most part, it's just that, that free network, like a YouTube channel. 
So that that Pride Network, that's kind of one of the other questions that I had, right, in, in there is, like, Pride, Carbon, Go Wild, Valor Outdoors, like, all these different, um, like, streaming services, all right? And I think the idea behind it, like, on some level is, you know, you only have so much... Um, you've got all the free reign in the world on YouTube until YouTube says, well, we can't do hunting stuff anymore. Or like the hunting public is going to where they have to black out or go black and white on some of their things where they've got blood, um, you know, because that's, that's what's getting them pulled down or getting those shadow banned or whatever. That, that's really happening right now. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. and, and, and so like, you know, that's the whole thing with Joe Rogan podcasts. And, and he says, you know, well, as soon as YouTube says that, you know, you know, they're taking down some of his stuff because he might say something or they might they might have had a song on there. Well, that's taking away, you know, a million views, which is, you know, for him, like, you know, a thousand dollars, a couple thousand dollars, whatever. So if that were to go away, you know, if you couldn't put it on YouTube anymore, then where, where are you going to view this? Where are we going to find it? How are you going to upload it? So what are these like streaming services for like the outdoor channels type type stuff like like Pride, for example? So, so the Pride Outdoor Network, um, it's it's fairly cheap. I want to say, I I think I think we pay maybe 150 bucks, and uh, they'll they'll air as many episodes as you, as you want to put on there. And we're getting, I mean, I th- I think it's a really good bang for the buck. We're getting probably right now. I know the last two months, I would say, I shared them with JT that I think we're getting like 290 thousand views a month. Yeah. Um, which is 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 really cool. Um, considering Pride Outdoor Network's pretty small. Last year. I actually, I don't even know if I told JT this, I got everything set up to put our stuff on Amazon. And the only thing that held me back and maybe things have changed was that I had to take care of. And I think YouTube does it automatically. Now as a closed captioning, like Amazon made it mandatory that you had to do closed captioning on your, on your stuff. And that's kind of where I stopped because I, I had everything all set up and ready to go. And I just kind of let that go wayside. So I should probably, JT's way more computer savvy than me. Maybe he can look into that for me. <laughs> so with your guys' um, channel and stuff, what all do you, is it just deer hunting or do you guys do any fishing or anything like that? So we don't fish. I actually, I mean, I fish. Um, I got a, a buddy that's a really good uh, bass fisherman and he, he's taken me out a few times. He hammers them. He's actually a, a local radio guy, but um, JT and I are actually getting set up. We're actually going to do our first uh hunt this year to get together we hunted we bow hunted last year together did a little bit of public land hunting deer but um he's been doing some scouting i've been doing some scouting he's going to come up here first couple of days and i got a couple of good spots where we've got both spots are actually private but then they're right next to public so if we don't get a get a crack at something on the private we'll go we'll go to the public so we're, we turkey hunt um i've been to big booms northern main adventures quite a few times for bear hunting um boom passed away this year um so I'm not quite sure where that's going to go. I didn't, I burned up so much vacation time that I actually don't have time to go to travel this year on a trip. Um, so I've been to Newfoundland um, where we shot a black bear and we, I shot a bull moose and um, Norm who does uncle Norm's outdoors. Now he, um, he shot a black bear and a cow. So we, we do a little bit of everything. I'm three years from retirement. So, man, I can't wait to disappear. Just, I, I've never, I, I've never been out Midwest, man. It's, it's, the dream of mine, I, but I need, I, I want to do it DIY and I want to do it with someone that's kind of knows what they're doing and kind of learn from someone that knows what they're doing. I, I really, my experiences outside of uh, boomers with, with outfitters, you know, um, 
Con River was really nice too, but I've had some pretty bad experiences with some outfitters that it's just not necessarily a fit for my personality a lot of times. So, um, but yeah, JT and I are going to smash a couple turkeys in the face this, this coming weekend here. Yeah. If only it was that easy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so I want to go back to that. So what was the numbers that you said you were getting as far as like views on, um, the pride network and what is that compared to like your YouTube? Oh, got it kicks our YouTube's ass. I mean, um, so we're, I could pull it up on my other computer. I'll, here. I'll pull it up real quick, Jen. I'd say we're, I think we were at the, I think we were pretty much at like 279 last month. And I think we were at 290 this month, about 290,000 and 270,000. So, I mean, it's. Yeah, two, 284. 284 this month. Yep. Well, that's incredible because like I said, when I don't, I don't think of those as like, I guess I, I could just watch everything on YouTube. Like, so I, I see like all the big stuff, like when I was watching like the times up stuff on carbon, you know, everything is sponsored by Chevy and this and that. And there's these really big, and I guess I just don't ever think of it like those streaming services as like a viable channel. But I think maybe guys that like don't have cable and are still into that. So when we talk to Caleb from redneck tech podcast, he says that he does not like, the hunting public or the YouTube stuff at all because it's not polished enough for him. And so maybe there's guys that just w- watch on those streaming services or there's a show like yours that they follow along with every week, every episode. Um, but I, I, I just think that's incredible. I mean, that's a, an exorbitant amount of views. If you watch a streaming service, um, you know, like say the, the outdoor life channel, um, you know, you're going to see the shows that are on that channel you're, you don't have the millions of, of options like you do on a YouTube. Um, and YouTube is so, you have to hit the right algorithm to get your videos out to people. Yeah, you know, so um, like just today I was look, trying to look up putting down buckwheat for food plots. And the only videos that come up are from uh, Whitetail Habitat Solutions because those are the ones that everybody's clicking on and he's the one that's paying for the advertisements. Um, you have to go up and actually filter the top to get new content or ones that have less views um, because that's all you're going to see on, on YouTube. So, you know, those streaming networks are nice. If you are part of it or you follow those, you're going to see the content that's on those. So, you know, the more followers that those streaming services have, the more views you're going to get using those outlets. That was kind of JT's and I plan at the beginning of the season. And we actually started working on our first couple episodes and we were going to try and and do kind of like, and, and we don't try to do anything that anybody else is doing. Like we try to stay away from the cliche, but we kind of pulled some of our followers and like, Hey, do you, would you think it was cool if we tried to keep up in season? And let me tell you something. Yeah, JT, and I, we're a little bit too OCD. Like I can't, I can't those, those cuts like that you see, like that aren't polished. That would drive me nuts. Like it doesn't bother me to watch them, but it, to me, the finished product just doesn't work. But I think, what drove JT and I nuts on trying to keep up with that in our first couple of weeks. Cause we had two episodes ready to go, but I'm like, do we want to do this? Cause if once we start it, we're kind of going to be up all night and I take a month and a half off straight for work, you know? And um, I'm like, I can't have those jump cuts and all those cuts like they do. They just drive me nuts. It's just not, uh, you know, we work too hard to, to get somewhat good at what we're doing, but a lot of people that are, like I said earlier, that are on the go that want to watch it. They don't even, that, they don't even notice that stuff. I think when you edit that stuff sticks out to you more like you, you know, you do your podcast, you do some editing and whatnot. That stuff jumps out at you if you edit, but there's no way those guys could keep up with all the, all the, uh, 
footage they're putting out if they didn't do it that way. So it's working, man. I mean, they're getting, they're getting, I mean, what's cool about them is they're not sellouts and they could, they could cash in right now if they wanted to with their following. And I really like what they're doing. Um, you know, I, I just think, uh, you know, JT's not quite as good looking as sweaty Teddy. So we got to work on it. <laughs> well, I think that they've got like such a big team and they've got it built. I mean, the way that they operate is so smart. You know, they may be three, four days behind, but you know, they've got two guys hunting and two guys editing, and then they just rotate through that they've got enough guys to do that. So when it's like John and I, and then two 60, 70 year old men, like they're not doing any editing or any, you know, right. they're like, uh, the reality is it's what they do. You know, I mean, when I get home from work, I got diapers to change and forts to build with my daughter and, you know, and then, then I, at night when everybody's in bed, I can get an hour or two and doing some editing and then it's back to work the next day. You know, it just doesn't, as good as it sounds, it's, it's not practical to do that you know, in the, in the common world, like those guys, you know, they're, I would love to be able to travel around and like the Turkey tour to me seems like the most amazing thing ever, you know, to have that time and that experience. And then just to be, you know what I mean? Back at camp doing the editing and stuff like that. Like that's, that's the icing on the cake because you put in all that work and have the ability to, to turn in editing your hunts into a film is it's very rewarding. And so, you know, those guys are definitely, you know, living a lot of people's dreams, but it's just not practical to be able to do that for your yeah. common, your common yeah. hunting show. It's just, it's not possible. I think with wife and kids, though, you'd never be able to do what they're doing. You know what I mean? And that's, that's just, I think I'll be able to get away with a little bit once I'm retired, but man, like JT said, that they're, they're killing it, man. They're doing it right. They're living the life that probably most of us would want to. And uh, if JT didn't wear diapers, he could, he go hunting a lot more but those, so you can only wear those depends so long. And I, that, that's what keeps me in the woods longer chad that's my advantage john well i was just that was the reason why i asked the question about what else you know if you guys fished or, or hunted other you know species how many episodes do you guys put out to get the two hundred and eighty thousand? well the cool thing with with the pride outdoor network and i think that's and i think that's what really helps because our first year I think we hit 200,000 a couple times on some of our episodes. I'd have to go back and look at the analytics, but your all your previous seasons. So they let me load season one and two, my first year. So okay. that helps you grow. So if someone, you know, binge watches, you know, when you get that, when all of us are just burned out in this, that winter time and you can sit, sit on your ass and munch and drink and watch, you know, binge watch. I think that's what helps you get your views, but now we're season three. So I don't know. I think, J2 or we probably 12 or 13 episodes our first season probably right around the same and I think we're what are we at like 15 this year yeah I think yeah 15 or 16 I think we got like 40 episodes somewhere in that mid mid 40s close push and pushing 50 maybe yeah but I mean the cool thing is like I said I watched a, I watched one of my first season's episodes and I literally looked at that and I was like man that's that's kind of bad but I was learning every single episode I had no clue what I was doing I did, you know, I get out of final cut and I was, uh, Larry, what was the guy's name? Larry Jordan, right? That I told you, JT. Yeah, Larry Jordan, yeah. Larry Jordan was a good one that he had a, a lot of good webisode stuff that I could tap into. And then like, oh, that's how you do that. And, uh, there's a couple of things that JT showed me when he was here. And there's a bunch of stuff that I showed JT for shortcuts. How, how's that new hard drive working for you a little faster? I have, I haven't even put it in yet. <laughs> that'll, that'll be the turkey footage. So you must be the, uh, the, the Adam to uh 
to to John there. John gets all my hand-me-down stuff, so I just bring him over stuff, and I say, here, use this. Here, try this. Do this. And it's, oh, yeah. It's yeah, been great. <laughs> so um, for that, I want we'll get into that kind of like the episodic stuff, um, but what do you think, like for, for regular guys, I mean, that sounds like pretty wild. Like if you... Like, cause I know a lot of guys that film, but they don't ever do anything with it because they're like, I don't know, like what to do or how, how to, where would I do this? So it sounds like for 150 bucks, you could put it up on a, a platform where you're going to get seen by a, a lot of different things. And if you had a bunch of content, what are the barriers of entry or like, like what you talk about, like at the beginning and watching your stuff and saying, oh man, that's terrible or, or, or whatever, like, what are the barriers of entry for, like, doing what you guys are doing? One of the things you said, too, um, that, that absolutely fits me to a T. When I, so the first couple, first year, first couple hunts that I filmed when it was just my son and I, um, I kind of, I, I, I was like, you know, I got in front of the camera and, you know, you get, you just like now, like you get used to, I'm sure when you first started your podcast, you were a little nerved up. So you could tell you were nervous in front of the camera, even though you weren't, weren't going to do anything with it. And then uh, you get a couple kills on film and you're like, well, what do I do with it now? And, you know, you're almost kind of like when I look back at our first season, you're, you're kind of nervous that you don't want to look like a fool, get tongue tied and everything else. But that's, that's a cool thing. Once you realize that you're going to edit it yourself, you can kind of make yourself look like you somewhat know what you're doing. But um, I think the biggest thing that helped me um, was the fact that being a cop, a couple of years of getting on the stand and testifying and, and law, asshole lawyers beating you up and trying to make you look like the bad guy. You start to public speak there. I've been a canine handler since 2003. So all the public canine demonstrations from, you know, it could be 10 kids to a couple hundred at a, you know, a fair or something like that. So then you kind of get used to talking in front of people and they throw you in front of the news camera and they make you do something where you don't get a chance to edit whatever you say, or you screw up, you're kind of, you're kind of screwed. So that kind of helped me get over that barrier of being nervous and just putting it out there. Now, now I don't really care. Like you see me doing stupid shit on camera, making stupid faces and my daughter farting and she was really happy. That one. But um, to your question, as far as equipment, um, you know, every, no one's really, most of the stuff that they're putting out, you're not going to get 4k anyway, like everything like YouTube and everything else, whether you're shooting in 4k, 5k or whatever, um, they're not putting it out at that, at the 4k level. So you don't have to buy a 4k camera. But I think, I think to start, what was the NX80? 2300. 2300. I mean, I got into it. You don't have to get a wireless mic. You could, you could run with just your shotgun mic. So, I mean, you could, you could real, realistically get into it for about three grand and really have a nice setup. If you got one GoPro, a shotgun mic and that, if you're self-filming, you don't need a wireless mic. You know, you don't have to have one, you know, that's another six, seven, 800 bucks, depending on what you get there. So for three grand and a couple of decent SD cards. And that, that's another beautiful thing. The first year that I did it with Derek and I, we were using just some micro, um, they, they were little cassettes, you know, like VHS type micro ones that you'd have to put in an adapter to, to watch or watch it back on your camera. So, uh, but there's a lot of 4k cameras that are out there that, you know, I think Panasonic and then put out, but I think that's what the hunting public runs with mostly NX eighties. They're pretty, yeah. they're pretty rugged. That'd be my recommendation. I would say, if you're going to get into this, buy a 4k camera, do it right. The first time, at least invest in a camera that's going to get you there. Cause it, eventually everything's going to be there. 4k. Um, I wouldn't recommend you can do it. I mean, I, but I wouldn't recommend just going to Walmart and buying a 4k camcorder. I mean, I think you want a professional grade, whether it's a Sony or, or a Canon. 
but you don't have to spend a fortune to get into it. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing with that is, is obviously, you know, your, your equipment needs to match what your desired outcome is going to be. Um, if you're, if you're going to get into this and say, Hey, I'm going to have a show on the outdoor network, then you can't go to Walmart and get a camera, uh, a cheap camera, right? Your, your, your equipment has to match what your, your desired outcome is, but just to get into it, um, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, it's a learning curve. So you can start off with a GoPro and a cheap handy cam. That's what I started off with it. My footage was pretty terrible, you know, but I still had fun doing it. And a year later I took it, you know, to the next step. And then, um, I remember when I called Chad, you know, Chad's like, one of the first questions he asked me is, you know, what's your camera gear? And I was like, well, I'm in the market right now, just getting rid of some stuff. And he's like, oh, you know, I'll recommend this camera to you. And I remember looking it up and, and going in the house and telling my wife, like, hey, I got to get this camera. And she's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, it's 2,300 bucks. And she was like, absolutely not, <laughs> you know. I already, but, uh, I already ordered it, honey. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Don't, don't check our Amazon account. All right. But, you know, I mean, I was willing to make that step because, again, that desired outcome is I wanted to be part of a more, um, you know, legit show. And, you know, I knew that Redneck Rising was going to be that avenue for me. It was my, it was my opportunity to do it. So, um, you know, it's a learning curve for sure. That's, that's one of the biggest things. You got to, you know, you're not going to jump right into it and have, you know, the hunting public on, on your first season. You know, those guys had been in the, the filming industry for years, you know, they worked with Midwest Whitetail um, and, and other shows before that. So, you know, you go back and watch some of their old stuff um, before I even knew who the hunting public was. And, uh, you know, they're, they're not doing things as good as they did now. And, and it's just, it's the evolution of, of you know, what you're willing to put into it. But, um, you know, the other thing I would say as a barrier is when you get into it, you know, Chad talked about a little bit about, you know, being a little bit nervous on the camera. That's, that's normal. You know, that's, that's a good thing. You want to, in my opinion, you want to be as organic as you can. You know, if you're trying to emulate Zach from the hunting public and you're not that type of a personality, you, your show's never going to be successful because it's, it's not genuine, you know? So I know that was, that was Chad made a lot of fun of me with the first season. It was season two of Redneck Rising um, because a lot of the things I would say, you know, were, you could quote from the hunting public just because that was, that was who I was idolizing at the time. That's who I watched. I consumed a lot of their content. So, you know, there were some things, you know, like, like who hasn't said, you know, buck beds, you know, that goes straight back to Dan Enfold. Like it's, it's, a, it's a buzzword, you know, so. You said the marsh five times in 22 seconds. <laughs> yeah. So there was an episode where I was kayaking through a marsh and I said it a bunch, you know, and, and Chad was ripping on me about it, but you know, again, that's, it, it was funny, but it's one of those things where I was like, yeah, you know what, that's, that's not me talking. That's, that's the hunting public. So, but that's, that's normal. It's a normal evolution of, of learning how to self-film, learning how to talk. And, and a lot of times you're not as experienced as you want to portray yourself. So, you know, again, having that organic, um, if, if you can let yourself be vulnerable on the camera, then it's, then it's going to be perceived so much better by your audience. Yeah, be yourself, like, like, and you have a chance to edit it, like, just, just be yourself. And that's, that's, you know, JT and I talk probably a hundred times more in front of the camera than what you see. And we edit it down to what makes sense and what, what we think people are going to want to see in here. But if you're yourself and you're not trying to, you know, be cliche and be everybody else, I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm a ball buster and I'm a practical joker. And I think we'll see more and more of that. And hope maybe I'll even fuck with JT a little bit this weekend and scare the out of him in the middle of the night. Hey, listen, you're going to be the one behind the gun. So <laughs> I'm talking about in the middle of the night when uh, I sick my uh, police dog on you when you're sleeping. <laughs> slide, the white, 
I'll put the bite suit on you when you're sleeping. And what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> so this may seem like a podcast to most people, but this isn't actually. Uh, we brought you here, John, because it's an intervention. Um, so everything that they just said, you know. Right. Um, yeah, I know. I hate <laughs> but, being on the camera. You know, I tell myself that I'm not, no one's going to watch this and I don't care. I, and that's what I tell myself. That, and I don't, I don't even think about it anymore. But the thing is that I don't believe that that's true one bit because I've got all these phone clips of John, like when he was like shooting these chipmunks with a blowgun and he's like literally in a blind, like set up in his backyard and he's like making jokes and like, I mean, it's, it's absolute gold, but it's like your daughter farting. Like if I were to put that stuff out there, he'd be like, delete his Instagram. Like I quit. I'm done. <laughs> Like, oh, she, begged, she begged me, please, Dad, no one will ever want to date me. And I'm like, oh, what's going good. on there? And then, then when, when Mom watched it before I cut it loose, I think JT watched it too. And she's like, I don't give a shit. Put it on there. That's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then during season two, when Chad was doing all the all of my editing, you know, he I remember a couple of times he called me. He's like, hey, you know, are you okay with me putting this on there? And it's like, like me missing a deer. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's, that's the enjoyment of it. You know, it's the same thing with you guys, you know, people have, they can, they can click on someone else's channel, but you know, your guys' subscribers are growing like crazy. You guys, you know, your views are, I don't listen to you guys just because, you know, I only have so many hours in the day, but I can guarantee you when I'm driving home, I'm listening to one of you guys ramble about something. And that's just because <laughs> people enjoy your content, you know, and that's, that's you from you being you. Um, if, some of those other podcasts, you know, it's just a little bit, it's a little bit forced and, you know, I mean, they're, they're a good listen if it's a specific topic, but you're not going to have a repeat person every single episode because they're not going to want to follow you around. Yeah. Like, and, and like I say, like for, for John, well, I want to get back to like the cameras just, just on a note is like, it sounds like what you're saying is like, kind of like dress for the job that you want, right? It's, it's like, you want, you want this quality. So you need to bring that to the table, whether you know how to use it or not, like you need to figure it out. But like the, the Turkey that I just missed on like five angles of cameras, like no kidding. Um, the video that John took is amazing. And we have like a prosumer camera and he's got like the nicer of all the cameras that, well, I just got a new one, but the, the, the nicest one that we've got right now. And the video is just phenomenal. And it's like, everything was like perfect except for the, the shot. So what I want to know is like to, I, I think one of the things that kind of hampers us a little bit and uh, maybe many guys that don't have a team or whatever, I, before we got on here, I was saying, John, I think JT killed like, I don't know, a hundred, 150 deer or something this year. Like, is there any sort of like pressure to kill things on film are you you know because we you know you have 12 episodes or whatever like are you trying to hit a certain number of episodes are you trying to you know do you have episodes where you don't kill anything and you're telling a story like how does it all work like from that angle i'll answer that real quick and then chad you can chime in um so so yes and no um you know chad and i never had a conversation about so many episodes again it's just we had the camera lens following us throughout our seasons. And, you know, as long as we're providing good quality content, then that's how many episodes we had. Season two, my first season with Redneck Rising, um, I had a lot of pressure. I haven't really talked to Chad about this. So it was a little bit the first time he's hearing about it, but 
that was a lot of pressure on, on me um, to, you know, cause I hadn't done it on that level yet. And I wanted to, you know, not only impress Chad, but I wanted to be able to provide good quality content. So he would have me around for season three and, and beyond. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of pressure for me to not only film the deer to get them on camera, um, but to get on good deer too. So, you know, and that was all self-filming. I didn't have anybody with me. So anybody that's ever self-filmed, I mean, you guys can contest to this. It's not easy. Um, you know, in season two, I think I shot seven, seven, seven deer and a bear, uh, all self-filmed and it, it was tough, you know, and it's just a lot of it's luck, but you just have to put your mind to it. You know, the, the camera's not going to turn itself on. The interviews aren't going to happen by themselves. You're not going to be in the right spot unless you put yourself there, you know, luck comes into it, but you have to be willing to put in that work to get the desired outcome. Um, as far as like, and then in, it, even in that season, you know, there was, there was, I felt some pressure too, because in the early part of the year, there weren't a lot of deer getting shot. And so, yeah, I had a little pressure to, to, to pump some content out there, but understand too, that's my dynamic with the team. I told Chad, when I came to this thing that I, I enjoyed shooting animals, you know, it's, we eat them and I love hunting. And that's why I buy out-of-state tags as well, because I don't want to just have one or two tags in New York. I want to go down to Pennsylvania to extend my season. So you know, I, I, I like filling that content for him. I like giving him eight episodes. I'll tell you one thing this year I'm editing. I probably won't shoot as many deer next year, Chad. I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and to, to your question to me, so this year started off, I bought this property in 2016. It's 47 acres and JT can tell you, I'm, I've put a ton of work into it. I'm, I'm definitely obsessed with food plots to the point actually where there's a lot of years that I don't turkey hunt because I'm so obsessed with what I want to get done here with the structure and I had a deer that made a jump from about 128 inches and JT's I had the sheds and the guy that ended up killing him just below my property line he jumped to 174 he gained 50 inches or almost 50 inches and uh, the guy didn't believe me until I gave him the sheds and I gave the guy the sheds that killed him but so that was my target buck I had shit I had probably 12 cameras on my 47 acres and I knew the deer didn't show up till late season last year and once dough started coming to heat and then when all, all the food came off the cash crops, I had 12 acres of food here. So, uh, he got killed week two of bow season here. And I'm like, shit, there goes my target buck. So then I moved to another property that I, you know, I had a good, I think that one ended up scoring in the one sixties and that one got killed like the day after I started hunting the other property. I'm like, well, shit. And then, then I just said, well, I don't have any target bucks now. So when the girls had time to hunt, I was, I was filming them anyway. So I'd get done to work at two 30 and scoot out to the woods. And I think October 26, my vacation started. So I started filming the girls. And at, at that point, I really didn't care if I killed anything. I really, if I could get it done, no one wants to watch old, ugly dudes shoot, shoot shit. They want to see pretty young girls and girls shoot stuff. So, um, and you, that there's no doubt about that. You post a picture of the girls on, on, uh, Instagram and you get a twice the likes of, if you post JT or me on there, but anyway, so I, I dedicated myself to them killing something. And there's no doubt when they were screwing up, I started to, you know, talking to JT at night. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore, man. I just, I got to go out and kill something. I got to start hunting and uh, fuck it. I'm going to shoot a 140. And he's like, just do it, man. And then Marissa would say, hey, dad, I took uh, the next two days off. Okay, I get, I'm filming you, you know, morning and night. So, which I, again, I'd rather let the girls kill something. And then, you know, Derek came home for two weeks from, and he just six years of pharmacy school. So he came home for two weeks. So then it was two weeks of filming him. 
And uh, when I finally got a chance to bow season was over when I finally really decided to, I mean, I had a couple, I think maybe a week JT probably in bow season. Yeah. Where I started self filming. And, um, and that's why I said, you know what, at this point, I'm going to sit in the saddle. I killed that first doe that I ever, ever killed in the tree saddle. Ton of fun. Really enjoyed it. And then I'm like, you know, I'm going to stick it out. Usually I shoot quite a few doe, but um, I'm like, you know what? I didn't even care. I went to, it was kind of a public piece where I shot that buck. I mean, it was heavily hunted by a lot of people can hunt that. And I pretty much told myself, and I actually told the viewers on camera, I'm like, <laughs> if it's two and a half years old and it comes anywhere near me with a bow and it's, it's probably in trouble. I can't remember the last time that I said I was going to shoot a two-year-old, but he ended up being a three-year-old. But um, next year is a whole whole new ball game for me. I, like JT's and Cleta both convinced me, like brother, you're you're. I love the part that you're a family guy and you're doing everything, but you're also trying to trying to put together a YouTube show, and you're beating yourself up. You're too hard on yourself. You can't you can't be in two places at once. I can't be behind the bow and behind the camera, and uh, so. Like we said earlier, the girls are going to learn to film. They're going to learn to work together. Dad's going to do a little bit of solo filming. Maybe some JT and I are hoping to get out of state, possibly go to Oklahoma. Sure. I'm I'm what I'm probably like an hour and a half, two hours from the PA border. JT, you're what about 10, 20 minutes? Yeah, 20 minutes. So it's a little more convenient, but I definitely I think we're gonna him and I are gonna do a little bit more of that uh, public land getting out, and uh, we kind of tested the water last year and went to a public park and, and did some hunting and uh i think i just i'm, I'm just excited about changing it but i'm lowering my standards i don't even care like there's kind of the local pressure that i well, i can't i can't believe you shot that buck i get that i kind of get that buck shamed if i if i shoot a deer under 140 and honestly i don't give a shit anymore i had a lot of fun shooting that buck that i shot last year with the bow and the tree saddle and uh i'm i'm, I'm just gonna get back to having fun man lower the pressure season two we bounced around a little bit more in the season like it would be it would you know it'd be chad doing a hunt and then it might go to his daughter and she shot a deer or something like that this year it seemed that the dynamic of how the videos flowed it was a little bit more like each episode was you know a, a kill um or more specifically that hunt um a little bit you know follow the season around but the, the first two seasons were definitely a little bit more bouncing around kind of following the season where this season was, was more specific to the actual hunts. And yeah, I think that's logical. That, and that's just because I was editing and Chad was editing. And, you know, when you do it that way and you're two hours apart, I can't go up and get Chad's footage from October 15th to put in my, you know, buck kill on October 16th. Like it just, it just didn't make sense. So in the number of episodes, you know, you, you asked the question, how many episodes? I think eight is a pretty good number around there, you know, but it, again, it all depends on the size of your team. If you're, if you're creating a web show and you got one or two people to, you know, to, to try and push yourself to get episodes that you don't have the content for just isn't the right fit. It's, it's whatever number, you know, uh, matches the, the content that you can put out for your audience. The biggest thing is keeping them, you know, engaged in your video and keeping them wanting to watch the next one and the next one. So, you know, that could be four to 16, you know, it just kind of depends on the, the, the way that your footage is, is flowing, but, you know, and then the other thing is obviously the, the amount of time that you have in a video, you don't want a, a 40, I mean, you can, if the, if the footage, but most people aren't going to sit there for a 30 or a 40 minute episode. I know this season we had more episodes go longer um, just because we were trying to tell the whole story, but you know, trying to keep them shorter and and more relevant can definitely give you more episodes. Like 
Heartland Bow Hunters as a good example. It's a hunting show that I, I watch that Chad put me on because they they produce real good content. But I mean, some of their videos are four and five minutes long. You know, they're real shorts, but they they produce a ton of content. But you know, you're you're hungry. You want to keep watching their footage because it's it's so short. Um, you know, you just it, it keeps your attention. If if they had that many videos and they were longer, I know like some of the hunting public ones, they can get a little bit long, but they they have a good storyline. You want to watch them, but I know sometimes when you click on it, it's 32 minutes long, you know, it's, and they don't shoot anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's just, you know, you want to follow them because I've, I've probably watched a thousand hunting, hunting public videos, but you know, there's definitely some that I, I skip through, but if you can keep people entertained. Yeah. I scrub through a lot of the, when they're sitting around camp cooking or whatever, ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. Let's get to the killing or, or, right. move on. or 10 minutes of Jake's whispering. <laughs> so with your um you know you guys have full-time jobs and now you're you're doing this and like john and i can test uh, can attest to the fact that this this takes a lot of time so like what we do is a lot of time and we're not doing you know necessarily all of the video all of the uploading all of that that everything um it, now you guys have your your family involved how it, it has has that changed like the dynamic of like how it's viewed, how your time is viewed, is viewed? Like, you know, you might not get the, it, it might not be a free pass for $2,300 for a camera, but you might say, yeah, well, if you're taking your daughter, then go, or if I get to go hunting and you're going to film me, I'm shooting, then, then yeah, let's do it. Like how, how is the family dynamic in there? Cause I think that that's really good. I've got other questions on that, but I'd like to hear like this side of it just first. Well, with me, I mean, I probably choke my wife a lot more now than I used to, um, but, but she, uh, she, this year, I actually had to push her to get out there and actually we got into it a couple of times. She's like, well, I'm only doing this for you. And I'm like, well, then don't do it anymore. I go, cause Marissa's doing this for Marissa. Marissa wants to get out there. So don't take, well, no, I like to hunt. I, I, I want to do it. I, well, don't try and guilt, guilt trip me, you know? So she doesn't give me any grief about, um, any of the gear I buy or any camera equipment I buy or any stuff I buy, I, I'm always wheeling and dealing, finding a way to make a little extra money. So she has, she has no issues with that. But uh, Marissa, you know, Marissa, she bought her house when she was 20 years old. She's only a mile and a half from here, but you know, I raised my kids, right. They're not left-wing liberal pussies. So uh, they're, they're uh, hardworking and made a, made a name for themselves. And uh, Derek's a pharmacist, but so they're both out of the house, but Marissa pretty much when mom, makes dinner she shows up for dinner and then takes off but um jody definitely needed a little a lot more pushing this year but once she got out there and started experiencing it um then she she's she's very competitive with marissa which is a cool dynamic because if if marissa gets on a deer but then marissa's tired and she doesn't want to wake up the next day well then jody will go well i'm going hunting with dad then she goes you better not shoot my fucking buck mom (laughs) she's like well if i go to that woods and that buck walks in front of me i'm shooting it well, then I'm hunting then. So then those two will be, you know, the competitiveness and Joey's like, whatever, fine. You can go hunting then, but don't act like you're not going to hunt if you're not going to hunt. So there, there's a, there's some internal bickering with that, which is probably good because it motivates Jody a little bit more to get out there. In her defense, she has had a lot of issues with tendonitis in her elbow. Um, so she's had a hard time shooting the last two years. Um, but this year, this past year, she really couldn't use that for an excuse. So she got out there and I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you've seen the, uh, the miss of the doe about six feet to the left. Oh yeah. And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, what in the fuck are you shooting at? <laughs> and she's like, something's wrong with my bow. <laughs> so we come home and arrow after arrow through it. Bullseye, bullseye, bullseye. 
yeah, but the arrow's flying funny. I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, there's 30 mile an hour winds out here in the open. So I think what she did was she didn't put her, she, she's got a, a dropway and she cocked the ripcord. And I think she had it between the shelf and the rest. And I think that's what happened because we couldn't replicate it. And there, there was nothing wrong with her bow. Um, Derek, he lives, lives two and a half hours away. So, you know, I miss him. Um, he takes two weeks off, but when he, when he did it this year, I'm like, God, finally some dad time. Marissa's vacation is up. Jody's got to work and I'm going hunting. And then Jody said, Hey, Derek's coming home. He's going to, he's going to be home for the next two weeks. He wants you to take him hunting, but I enjoy that. Like it's, it's not a burden, but when you're trying to produce as much foot as you can, and you want to show you're worth something as far as being able to kill something and you don't really get a chance to shine or get out there and do it. There's, there's some frustration. And especially when they both, all three of them screwed up twice. Um, maybe I should shame Marissa and, and put that video together where she shot the wrong deer. And she walked over to it and she goes, that's not the fucking deer I shot. And I, I'm not putting my tag on that. And I go, Marissa, you're going to say a little prayer and give thanks for that. Cause you just took that animal's life. And I says, so you're going to give thanks. And I says, you're putting your tag on that deer and you're done. And I'm going hunting tonight. So, so JT is lucky. Maddie, Maddie lives for this stuff. And there's no way Tammy is ever going to hunt. I tried to talk her into it there. Where were you coming home from? Oh, is your, you're coming home from your uh, father's funeral, right? We were talking and yeah. And, yeah. and Tammy's like, I just can't do it. Yeah. She's I'm, I'm lucky because my wife's very supportive, uh, but she, she's the furthest thing from uh, supportive of hunting. She's, she's not a fan. So she likes to eat venison. That's primarily what we eat from a protein standpoint, but she's, she couldn't hurt a fly. Are you saying she's a liberal? She, she's a school teacher. <laughs> um, but no, so she's, I mean, she's super supportive. That's the only reason I can do, you know, be in the woods as, as much as I am. Usually by November, I'm getting kind of the, you know, the talk a little bit, but she, she's cool. She knows I'm passionate about it. Um, she knows that, you know, I enjoy filming and all that kind of stuff. So look at all the money you're making doing it. I mean, listen, it's paid for a lot. <laughs> um, but no, like I have, I have two little kids. Madison just turned six. Um, she loves to hunt. She's been, uh, I was just today, I was working on uh, a, a turkey video from last year that we put out here shortly. And uh, it was the, the first turkey that her and I got to shoot together. And uh, I was listening to one of the interviews in it and, you know, I, talking about how she's been turkey hunting me for three years. She's been turkey hunting with me since she was two and a half years old. Um, you know, which, which is pretty cool. So she's, she's hooked. She's uh, so we shot a Turkey together. We shot a deer together. Um, And this, just this last season, you know, you talk about, you know, trying to produce content, you know, I got, I got a six-year-old that I like to take hunting with me and loves to go hunting with me. And what's the biggest cock block from a, you know, deer coming in standpoint, having little kids in your blind or little kids, you know, um, eating snacks and, and being loud and stuff like that. But um, my son's too, when I'm editing videos, you know, he, he sits on my lap and, and watches the videos and just absolutely seems like he's going to have the bug too. So, you know, from our end, it's the, the family dynamic is it, I feel like I'm just a younger version of Chad, um, you know, minus my wife ever hunting. So I I've begged her a couple of times to come out, but she just has no, no want to do it, but. Yeah. Jody didn't start hunting. I'm going to say probably seven years ago, whatever. So what we do crossroads TV, I think was 2013. So Jody did some 3d shooting with me when I had the archery shop, she got into shooting bows, but she's like, I could never, I could never shoot an animal. I could never kill anything. And, um, she 
Derek got his first girlfriend when I was doing Crossroads TV. He, we were supposed to be a team cameraman. Well, he, he kind of disappeared on me. So Jody said, well, I'll film you. I can't kill anything. But so I taught her how to film when she came out and, and filmed me. And uh, she's like, I think I can do this. Mm-hmm. And she's, Jody's a good shot. I mean, and, well, females generally are, she can shoot a ball. And um, she's, I think I can do this. So the following year um, she went out part of Crossroads TV and uh, she smoked, I think she put like a 37 yard shot on a good two-year-old buck with a bow. Um, and then uh, Marissa being competitive, if mom's doing it, I got to do it. So they both, they both only started hunting like seven years ago. Derek's been doing it since probably before I should say so that he shot his first deer. Uh, New York's, New York's kind of got it backwards, but uh, he may have harvested his first deer long before uh, he was supposed to. Oh, Mad- Madison will be on that level. Trust me. <laughs> won't be on film right yeah that's that's one thing too that like obviously chad has you know uh his family that can film him and and vice versa you know my daughter i've been i've been kids are good with technology she's getting pretty good at filming you won't see it in the turkey video because she was five um but this year she actually did and so a lot of videos that that won't ever make it to uh to youtube or whatever but she did quite a bit of filming and she's getting pretty good at it well, and that's one of the things that I wanted to ask you about specifically, JT, because of like the age of your daughter, like my daughter's five and she wants nothing more than to have a YouTube channel. She wants to do all this. Like I'm looking across the, the table here and her podcast setup is over there. And so like, I'll be down here editing or whatever. And she's like on her computer, which doesn't work and it's not plugged in. And she's doing a full blown interview of someone that's not there so i don't know if like she's got like those first stages of schizophrenia or what but she's like legitimately like completely into it and like we're in the blind but i just feel like from that like creeper standpoint like you know you got this little girl you know out there and like putting her out there to the world and like that's my my like one main hang up because my daughter my my daughter like we'll be i'll be putting her into bed and she'll be like I'll be like, all right, so you ready to hunt yet? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, what do you want to hunt? And she's like, well, I got to kill an elk and, uh, of course, turkeys. And she's like, well, I, we've never eaten bear, Dad, so I think I think I need to shoot a bear. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's cool. Um, and she's going to be the, the exact same way. But, like, what you were saying about, like, the not, uh, you know, the cock blocking of deer. Like, when I had my daughter out hunting with me, it was like I had to – remember that I could be in the basement cramped into a princess house doing the same thing, or we could be out here scaring deer away or, or whatever, because, you know, there's, there's just that, um, that side of it. So how how are you balancing that? I mean, this is like maybe more for me or maybe for other guys that have like kids that they want to get into filming or whatever, because from the technology standpoint, I mean, she's right there. She wants to film everything. Yeah. I mean, so from the first thing, you know, I don't have, I I didn't grow up hunting, so I can't, you know, relate to, you know, the first time my dad took me hunting or grandpa or whatever, because I didn't have that experience. I know in a lot of, a lot of my friends that I, I, you know, showed me how to hunt, um, you know, like eight years ago, um, you know, some of them said that, you know, their fathers would take them out in the woods and, you know, tell them not to move and not to talk. Um, I make it fun for my kid. You know, I mean, she's, she's grown up, uh, in an era where, you know, hunting's easily consumable. So, you know, I had it on the TV and, you know, 20 years ago, I I don't think that, that kids would be as exposed to it as much as they are now, nor have the, 
you know, the technology side of it to kind of draw them to it. On the same side of that, I don't want that to be something that ruins it for her. You know, I don't want her to, like, she's never known really hunting without a camera, those kind of things. Um, so, but I'm always, you know, working on trying to teach her that craft, um, you know, not with the camera, but the actual hunting, you know, um, through those experiences. But, you know, as far as having like a, a social media account, or you said like, you know, yours is trying to have her own YouTube channel and stuff like that. I know my daughter is just... YouTube was a bad thing. You know, she's, she's hooked on it. She has her shows that she likes to watch and that kind of stuff. And, you know, she has asked a couple of times, you know, about, you know, Hey, you got the cameras and stuff. Can we make me a YouTube channel? And, you know, I tend to try and not answer that question directly uh, just get around it. But um, I don't, I don't care if, you know, like I've had some people say before, like, Oh, you know, I know trophy line. Cause you know, Chad and I are, we're, we're partnering up with trophy line and, trophy line ran a, uh, an ad and one of the pictures was my daughter on it. And I had a couple of buddies, you know, kind of disagree with that. And, you know, personally, I, I had a conversation with my wife and asked her, I was like, Hey, do you care if Madison is on Chad and I show? And she's like, no, I think it's cool. You know, and, and that, that lines up with my beliefs. So, you know, I don't care. I'm not gonna, I'm not putting an episode together using her to try and promote it. Um, you know, I love the fact that I get to share those, those moments with my kid and, and, you know, editing, like I was saying earlier, you know, I, today I was editing one of our turkey videos and I'd forgotten about a lot of the things during that hunt that I got to relive. And that's exactly why I like, you know, filming my hunts and, and, and having this, you know, to, to reflect on and, and look back at. So, you know, the biggest thing I can say is, you know, whatever it takes to, you know, encourage your kid to go out and have fun the first two years that we turkey hunted, we did not go out in the woods without Dunkin' Donuts. Like that was like, she loves donuts with, with um, strawberry frosting and sprinkles on it. So, you know, that was a hundred percent. It had to happen. That was associated with turkey hunting. And, and, and she liked that. Um, it was the year my son was born. There was a farm like 10 minutes down the road and um, you know, we would go turkey hunting and geez, I can't tell you how many times, you know, we'd get out there at four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, I'm packing her through a muddy field, you know, heavy muck boots, get everything set up, the decoys and, you know, this birds are still on fricking roost. And she's like, I want to go home, pack it up, go home. You know, I mean, it's just, you gotta, you gotta understand that you're not out there for you. You're out there, you know, to teach them to, you know, to learn how to hunt and have that fun and have that experience. Not that, there's anything wrong with, you know, making them stay till a certain time or anything like that. But I'll tell you what, you know, catering to her, she, she's, she's got the bug. I mean, there's been a bunch of times where I've been ready to pack it up and she's like, no, let's, let's stick it out a little bit longer, you know, or, you know, nothing better than when you come home from work and she's like, Hey dad, take me hunting, you know? So, I mean, we, we, we went, we went hunting, uh, was it two years ago and it wasn't even hunting season. Like she came home one day and she was like, daddy, can we go hunting? You know? And so we went out and pretended to hunt. She didn't know it wasn't hunt season, but you know, I mean, she just, just getting them involved is, is the biggest thing. They want to spend time with you, whether it's in your basement in the dollhouse or out in the woods, as long as you can, you know, kind of cater it towards the enjoyment of it for both of you. Yeah, you certainly. told me you gave her a cup of Benadryl that morning. She wanted to leave early. You said, here, drink this. And you threw her in a sleeping bag and she went to sleep. <laughs> Listen, that kid, I'll tell you what, I'll tell her that she's going hunting more and she's, she's waking me up. It's funny you say that about like the Dunkin' Donuts thing. Cause my wife, you know, she never hunted like, it just wasn't an option from what she says. And so 
she we've been hunting for turkeys and she's killed a turkey with her dad but i think for probably like the last five six years she's gone turkey hunting a couple times with her dad but it's it isn't Dunkin' Donuts, but it's breakfast pizza. So it's like, it's coffee and breakfast pizza with dad just to drive around. And if, you know, you're listening to the show and, you know, you haven't heard uh, any of the Uncle Frank stories. I mean, that's <laughs> that's every single day for us. Like, you know, so it, it's all that stories and that, that jovial guy. And kind of what you're talking about, like bringing it back to your daughter. And I'm sure, Chad, for you and your wife and your son and daughter and everything is like, one of the things that's cool about what we do here is it is such a, like, you know, we're all, all related. So it, it's a kind of like a legacy piece, you know, like we're not going to be around forever. So now we've, we've got these experiences and these things to share. And the, the video is just one more like step, you know, ahead, like from that, you know, so now we can, we can listen to each other talk, you know, and John, he said it before we, you know, we try to get this stuff from, uh, you know, Frank on, uh, you know, recorded because it's like, you know, what, when your when your parents are gone or, you know, when your, your family's gone, you know, you would, what you wouldn't give for that conversation or to hear that story one more time or, you know, all of that. And I mean, I think that that, that too is another, uh, big part of that. And so we are trying to figure out like stories, like I have uh, the Patreons, they get, you know, I, you're not on the Marco Polo group, but I'll I'll have Frank on there all the time, telling stories and and other things, and so we are thinking about stories. And one of them, um, as I was watching through some of your stuff, uh, some of the videos that I hadn't seen, Chad, one of the stories that came up about Frank, we're like, yeah, we should tell that on the podcast, like running out in your yard in your underwear to shoot a deer, and then lo and behold, I'm going through Redneck Rising, and uh, you know. You've got a similar story to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went, <laughs> I went back to work. It was season two. Then, again, another frustrating season. Um, two of the bucks that I was after both got wounded. One disappeared, so I'm sure he died. And one kept, started showing up on a regular basis in my food plots after, after uh, light. So I uh, had a, it was like my second. It was either my first day back or my second day back. And I had canine training. And I was literally on the phone with uh, Caleb cutting one of the guys who was going through uh, his basic school with a new canine we got and uh, I'm getting undressed I'm just going to go down to a shoot house wind's not a factor I don't need to shower up it's just a, a you know it's going to be an easy place to slide into and I'm in my underwear and uh, just my top and I go holy shit that buck's out there and it was like two in the afternoon and he goes walk he's 100 yards from the house walking across the back and he goes well go shoot him I go I'm trying but get out I gotta get a phone so I run downstairs I get all my gear and uh, run upstairs and I'm getting dressed and, you know, the whole backside of the house, I can see down in the food plots about 10, 12 acres and uh, he's gone, but I'm, I'm trying to get dressed. I got the tripod set up, got the camera on it, got the gun ready to rock and roll. And uh, I go out there and he's gone. And uh, actually I was, I was going to shoot him right off the back porch. I got a big wraparound porch in the back. I was going to shoot him, but he's gone. So then I, I go back and I call Caleb. Now I'm so, slowly getting dressed. I'm like, fuck he's out there again so i hang up the phone and i go out there and all i had on was my thin sick of gear top and my underwears underwear it was 24 degrees and there's about six inches of snow on the on the back deck and uh he, he walked out and i don't know he's 100 110 yards maybe and uh put a good shot on him with the creed more and he didn't go you know 25 30 yards right under under the pine tree there and i'm like i can't believe that just happened and i, I thought she would have been pissed the, the whole me in my underwear but 
when uh, the public seen those pasty white legs, um, I think she she didn't have a worry in the world. No, no, no girls were too interested in that, but pretty good snow camo when you think about it. Oh, and my legs blended right in. So, so with that and like a couple things came to mind. Like one is like what uh, on a network TV show or something like that. Like how would that have went over with your, and how did that go over with your sponsors with Ruger and whatever? And then two, like the forethought to like set up the tripod and not put on pants. Like it was like one or the other, like, what are we? It was one of those, it was one of those seasons, brother, where I'm like, (laughs) this deer has got to die. Shrinkage or dead deer. So I'm like, I'm I'm going with a dead deer. So uh, it it worked out, but no, Ruger thought it was pretty funny. Uh, Rob Workmeister in the, the two ladies above him, um, you know, I, every time I do a release, I would send it to him. And then I would send the follow-up analytics when the pride outdoor network kicked us back to the analytics at the end of the month. And uh, no, they loved it. They actually were going to do a, a social media blast on theirs, which I think instantly went out to like 60,000 emails, you know, with a link on there. So um, no, they, they thought it was pretty funny. And then of course, everybody tags me in that one picture of the dude running out there in his underwear you know, so I still get tagged on that from time to time. Look familiar, Draper. So. And so, JT, do you have a, a memorable uh, video, like maybe like uh, even like a blooper that didn't make it or uh, something like that? Maybe maybe you're just up in the saddle without your pants on because it was uh, too hot. He's got a special thong saddle. It's just got one strap. It rides right up his ass crack. He loves that thing. Yeah, it's good. It's, that one's good for uh, for 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 climbing the trees with the rope. <laughs> no, I don't have any. Uh, I I'll leave that one alone. I'm not. I'll put my pants on when I'm hunting. But I, I do have one funny story that happened this season. I took my daughter down to the blind, and uh, I put in a food plot like right down the road from my house, and the blinds in a hedgerow, maybe a hundred yards off the road, and. Uh, I left my phone in the truck and, you know, again, the truck's parked right at the road. So, you know, big moment for a six-year-old, right? Leave her in the blind all by herself. So I told her, Hey, be quiet. I'm just going to go out to my truck real quick and get the, cause it was snowy on the ground. So I'm going to go out to the truck, get the, the camera. I come back and she's in the blind. So we've, I've taught her how to pee out in the woods. <laughs> so I, I open up the blind door and I just see two white little butt cheeks and she's in there and she had an accident. She went to go pee and, you know, long boots and, and multiple layers on. So we had to, uh, to run back up to the house real quick, but, uh, yeah, that was a funny one. I did capture all that on film, but no, that will not be a, <laughs> a show. <laughs> The GoPro was running in the, in the blind when I left. It was pretty funny, actually. Did you play it back for her? No, no, it was funny though. Yeah, I've I've had that similar uh, situation with my daughter and 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 peeing outside and with layers. But uh, oddly enough, this coming up weekend, like uh, Frank and his son and everybody, they go over to Lake Erie and do some uh, walleye fishing. And uh, last year, he was his son. We had all the cameras going on the boat. Went to uh, pee out of the boat and all the layers and everything and got a little bit twisted up and peed all over himself and turned around and you can see him look down and be like, Oh, what the fuck? it's like, there's no hiding it, you know, and, and there's multiple cameras on the boat filming fishing, you know, all the angles. So, uh, it's, yeah, it, it almost, happens to the best of us. We almost had an oh shit uh, moment down in Oklahoma. We were, uh, my brother and I were crossing a Creek 
that was flooded down there and we almost lost his truck. That was a, that was an interesting, that was on one of the, one of the episodes this season. And uh, it was a little, little deeper than we both thought we we're going to hunt on the other side, but we decided just to just turn around and get back across. Jody's going to kill me for this one, but maybe she won't listen. So she says, you know, it's not fair. You get to pee out of the tree and I got to go so bad. You keep, you keep peeing and I got to go. So I'm like, I'll go pee then. And she, uh, she's like, I can't pee from the tree stand. I'm like, I'll hold your harness. I said, drop, <laughs> drop your drawers. You're not going to fall because she's still afraid of heights. I said, and go. So sure enough, she's, she starts to go on. And I said, you're peeing on the freaking the hunter safety rope that runs away. Don't pee on the hits. And then she starts laughing. And I'm talking, you don't think that there's pressure. She starts laughing and it is just spraying everywhere. Oh and man. Can't stop laughing. She goes, You better not be filming this. I'm like, you peed on every freaking stick on the way down in the tree. You peed on the rope. They said, oh, Madison's peed on me like three times doing that. Oh yeah, she got to laugh, and every time she giggled, it would just shoot out further and further. So that's a reminder not to listen to this. <laughs> uh, we'll make sure to tag her and uh, and your daughter. So, <laughs> but so what would you guys? Uh, I mean, just kind of wrap up and kind of kind of come full circle. Like, what advice would you guys have to to people that are that are starting out? Um, I mean, Chad, I, we, we talk to a lot of guys that are on different levels of this, but I mean, even for for John, at you know he's just a little bit older than I am, you know, you guys are probably similar in age, like the amount of technology, the way that it's changed so much. And like, you know, JT and, and myself talking about our daughters that like my daughter can run a GoPro and, and, you know, she's on her phone, on the tablet, you know, she can do everything. So the, she can the, help call better than you too. She can, she can, <laughs> she can probably shoot. She can probably hit a Turkey at six yards too, if she wanted to. Um, but you know, from from that, I, th I think everybody now kind of with the advent of cell phones and video, you know, you can take a 4K video on your phone, you know, yeah. just like that. So for guys that were starting out, like what advice would you have for, for people, um, you know, that really wanted to take it seriously, but not necessarily want to pay a hundred grand to be on TV? Well, the, the one thing too, to consider, like, People that are like at, at the level of JT and I are, and I think we're, I think we're still at the beginner level. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I mean, I'm not proud to say that we're still learning and I think our stuff's going to get better as we go, but there is not a person that's ever asked me, you know, whether it's th through messaging or whatever, most people that are in this industry that are at our level, I know that some of the people are maybe up there might be a little snooty or too, too big to, to help someone out. But I've, I, I'm sure JT's got tons of questions, but I've, I have people ask me all the time as far as what gear to buy, um, you know, and I always tell them do what's in your budget within your budget. But, um, you know, JT, when he first started editing, he would just call me real quick. Hey, how did you do this with this? And I would say, Oh, duh, yeah. You know, and he learned the shortcut. So the people, the people that are doing it in our level are glad to help out people that are starting to do it. Cause we were, it was just, we were just there two years ago. You know what I mean? And, and we're still learning. I mean, we're nowhere near as good as the people that are out there, but we're having fun doing it and we continue to learn. And I think our stuff continues to get a little more creative um but don't just don't don't be afraid to take the jump i i remember um i was at it was a local concert i was doing security and uh, daryl worley david kirsch and red atkins were playing right and i had the canine so i was backstage and they were shooting um real tree road trip season two and i don't even know if they put it on there 
but uh, they they guilted uh, David Kirshen to putting on the bite suit, and my dog at the time, Tyson, crushed him, and they filmed it. I don't know whether it went on there or not, but it was cool because we got to talk, and that I always wanted to do this, but I was kind of chicken shit. Like, I didn't want to take that step, and they were so cool. I sat down. I couldn't have a beer, but uh, uh, Worley was drinking a beer and petting my canine, and they, uh, they gave me cell phone numbers to, I think her name was Peggy Van Houten, Van Houten, something like that, but she was like the one of the top reps for a real tree as far as their their social media and their other videographer stuff she was so cool and so kind um she sent me all kinds of information on a list of gear that i should start with from you know uh tree arms and things of that nature what a good good uh, starting camera was and i mean they're the you know the elite the premier and she she was kind enough and those guys were cool enough to kind of give me her information and uh so certainly guys like JT and I, they're kind of nobody. And, you know, J- I don't know, JT is kind of special. I like to consider myself nobody, but um, we're glad to help people out. Like if you got questions, I mean, because we're still learning, um, but by the gear you can buy, I mean, you definitely want a second angle camera. It's just going to make life easier on you and the tree. Um, JT does a really good job of running it all the time. I got to get better at running my second angle when I'm setting up. Um, there's a lot of creative stuff that JT does that I get in such a crunch to got to go 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 we got to you know jordy's got to kill something so i can hunt moose's got to kill something so i hunt but i start taking shortcuts and then that kind of comes back and haunts me when i'm editing where i got to try and find something to to get that creativity that jt gets and i appreciated editing jt stuff last year because i'm like man when there was something i could go through his b-roll and everything else and find something and really put something nice together because he made it easy on me um so i would say if you're worried about kind of like you talked about earlier, if you're worried about, well, I filmed this and I did something decent. What do I do with it now? JT and I have talked about doing some little thing where maybe we help some people out and do like a little special episode of someone that maybe they send us their material and we put together a cool little guest episode. Um, we talked about it more last year, but put together a little guest episode of, Hey, you know, here's someone that's, you know, just getting started and throw them on redneck rising and kind of give them a little shot at it. But don't be afraid to learn to edit yourself. Like if you're worried about where does it go from here, then you don't have to spend a fortune. Um, you guys might even be able to tell me. I mean, I bought Final Cut Pro. What do we buy that for, JT? Is it $399? Yeah, I think it was around $399. But you can buy even cheaper stuff that'll get you there and do it and, and then edit your own stuff because then you'll learn what you didn't get that you needed. And once you edit your own stuff, you realize what you're missing. And when you edit someone else's stuff, and that's where a lot of frustration comes in. Like, man, I've gone, th- I've scrubbed through this stuff 10 times. I can't do anything with this because the story starts here and then it ends. And we want to try and tell the story through the lens without talking. Like we don't want that talking head on camera. Like I, I get pretty bored with the guy driving down the road, talking for 10 minutes, telling me about this stuff when I can put an eight minute episode together of without talking, or, you know, just do a voice overlay with, like JT and I do a lot in the stand well when we're, we're kind of setting up the hunt. So another point would be just, just, you can't get too much footage yourself walking in your JT does a great job of setting up the GoPro when he's, you know, unpacking the truck and getting dressed and spraying down. And um, all those little things make your life so much easier if you really want to put together an episode, but um, that'd be, that'd be my advice. I mean, you, you know, try, try to film as much as you can. Don't film a deer walking across the field or a turkey walking across the field for three minutes because everybody's seen that before. No one wants to watch a turkey walk across the field for a minute and a half. 
do a quick little cut of it. I mean, you could film it, but certainly no one wants to see that when you edit it, you bore them out of their mind. Um, so that, that would be, you know, another thing, get the, get the footage, but you also got to remember, you got to save your battery and you got to save your, your file on your card and have enough room. JT, what did, what did I miss on that as far as what you would say? Yeah. So, you know, I'll definitely echo a couple of things that, that Chad said there, um, you know, one being editing. So do not just film your whole first season or a couple episodes and not have had any experience editing. Um, you know, if you're going to get into this, what I would say is, you know, pick a couple projects that you want to work on. Maybe it's scouting, um, you know, tuning your bow, whatever, and piece together a small video on it. Even if you don't plan on, you know, publishing it, um, just so you can see, you know, camera angles and, you know, second shots, um, you know, and how to piece that together to, to get that desired result. But definitely, um, you know, having edited videos and, and film videos, you, you learn real quick, uh, you know, what shots are going to bail you out of certain situations. So, so definitely go into it and, and learn that editing piece. Even if you're not a pro at it, um, just learn to, to edit a little bit before you jump into to filming a, a season, whether it be turkey, deer, whatever, because um, it'll, it'll help you tremendously in the field with what angles um, and, and what content to shoot with your camera. Um, you know, Chad has a show and, 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 you know, I joined it two seasons in, whereas I came in as a, as a, as a, you know, a filmer um, that's going to film my hunts. So I had, you know, a little bit different perspective on it. Um, you know, but really what's helped me is uh, a script, not in the way of like keeping it not organic, but a, like watch, a, watch a show that you like what they're doing. Right. You don't have to follow suit with, with their show. You don't have to copy their show, but like if you see a camera angle that just like, wow, that's, that's, that's badass, you know, take a note on that. And, 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 and next time, whether it's, you know, a, a note on your iPhone or, or whatever. Um, but, you know, I have, a, I have a checklist when I go um, hunting of things that I'd like to do. You know, if I'm, if I'm going hunting and, you know, it's snowing really heavily, you know, hitting up a, a slow motion clip of the snow or, you know, uh, the sound of your, your, your footprints walking through the snow, you know, that crunching or whatever can, can overlay a spot in the film. So definitely having some, some form of a script will, will keep you entertained when you're sitting out there all day. Um, and because, and, you know, it, say you're sitting in a tree stand for seven hours and nothing's going on, you know, two hours into it, you've already filmed the trees moving around a little bit. You've already filmed 32 different birds fly by and 16 different squirrels, you know? So if you could look in there and be like, oh yeah, I wanted to get a clip of, you know, say my, my, my bow riser, with the sun coming through it. You know what I mean? You saw that on a, on a TV show or whatever, you know, practice that shot. You might not nail it the first couple of times, but then, you know, looking through your video, you, you, you learn how to get those, those better shots. So definitely a script is good. Um, from a show standpoint, you know, the biggest thing that I'd say is, is stay consistent. So if you're going to, you know, put something together, then, you know, you're going to see success through longevity on it. If you're going to do season one, do season two, if you're going to do four episodes, you know, strive to do that the next year, if you're going to get into doing reviews and, and you like that, then, you know, your audience is going to be expecting reviews from you. So, you know, stay consistent with that. Don't just jump around. Um, it'll help keep you, uh, you know, engaged behind the lens. Um, <clears throat> and then the biggest thing, uh, you know, Chad talked about, you know, talking to people, having a mentor um, has been something that's really uh, helped me along this journey. Um, and that's been, you know, Chad, um, Cleve, um, you know, I've met through Chad and he's been a great 
great mentor to me. If I ever have a question, technical question with camera gear, you know, Cleed's a go-to, um, you know, but Chad probably doesn't realize as much, but I asked Chad a lot of questions about hunting, you know, because I've never had a strong hunting mentor. Um, and obviously, you know, through, through our connection, it, it translates to film, but, you know, having a, a strong mentor through, uh, whether it be hunting or, you know, editing or filming, um, you know, but, um, and then the last thing I would say is, you know, don't, don't get distracted uh, by trying to have a, a sponsor. Don't get distracted. Don't, don't sell yourself short um, by, I don't want to use the term selling out, but by getting distracted by the wrong things. You know, if you want to film um, and put together a show, you know, you got, you got to put together a product that a sponsor would want to, to be a part of. So don't get, don't get caught up in, in trying to jump to the, the, the first quick thing. You know, I'll use like an example, like a, a scent, right? Like a buck lure or something like that. You know, those are, those are, you know, I would think are pretty easily obtainable sponsors. Don't, don't get caught up in to try and go for those, you know, instead just film your show because the reality of the situation is, I mean, if you're going to go down and buy a bottle of tinks, that's $10 off the shelf at Walmart. Um, you know, that's important for you to, uh, to, to not get, just not get distracted with that. Um, cause it'll, it, it, it'll deter from your show, I think, you know, so just staying on point, you know, that's the biggest thing and, and having a mentor. Cool. So one question I always ask is, um, what bows are you guys shooting and what your setups are? So this year we're still with Bowtech. Um, I, Jody, Marissa's, Marissa's sticking with her bow. She's got an Eva Shockey generation one. Um, the all carbon bow. And to be honest with you, she has her own house. Now dad's done buying all of her shit. So she's, if she's ready for another bow, she's going to have to take care of that. Um, Jordy's got the gen two Eva Shockey she got this year, um, which is basically the, the same thing as the solution SD, the short draw It's just, uh, you know, with Eva Shockey uh, colors and whatnot on it, real sweet bow. And then I have the uh, solution coming, uh, it's 70 pound bow, right-handed, um, black gold rush site with the, uh, trying something different this year. I'm going to do the rip cord. Um, so Bowtech owns black gold and, and rip cord and tight spot quiver. So those are, that, that's why we use all the, their gear. Um, but uh, the, I'm, I'm going to shoot the arrow cage this year. I, I, I like limb driven um, dropaways. Um, I like the, I like the rip cord lock. I had good success with it. Um, but the reason I'm going to the arrow cage is because we talked about it earlier. Cody can't not put that in that rest and not have it it's going to pick it up no matter where it sits inside that cage. It's going to center it and it's going to be in there. So, um, that's, that's really the biggest reason I'm going to it. It's a little bit more simplistic design. I'm not a big, uh, I don't like worm gears and adjustable micro adjustable sites and micro adjustable rests. I like to tune it and lock it. Cause you you know, you get that worm gear, you got a little bit of play in it. You're always going to get a little bit of chatter, whether it's in your site, whether it's in your arrow rest. So I try to stay with fixed, non-micro adjustable things um they're convenient i mean they're super convenient for super tuning your stuff but you can crank them down a little bit but you always seem to get something that loosens up in a worm gear so me personally i stay away from that i'm shooting this year i'm just going to be shooting last year i shot uh easton sent me a, a couple dozen of the um uh t85s or what are they the, the t64s the six the uh aluminum carbon they're they're tapered uh, six millimeter to four millimeter at the, at the shaft. Um, the problem with those things were, I don't know how many of my blew up. They're that freaking accurate. Um, JT, I think you were here and I busted a couple knocks. 
but um, I think the fat shaft on the front made it a lot easier, even though you got a small arrow on the back. So I was blowing the knocks up on them and I was getting everything uh, just, you know, separating the carbon and the uh, aluminum in the back and I just didn't want to risk shooting. So I got a, I got some of those left, but they hooked me up with some uh, all carbon access. I'm going back to just the pro grade uh, all carbon access. And I know I, I told JT, cause I'm sure you guys see, he shoots a full metal jacket and seems to always have a, a pretty good bend in his arrow when he blows through them. I'm like, man, I've, I've cleaned up those axis for years and refleshed him and shot another deer. So we're going to, I think he's going to do it, but I'll let him tell you about his setup and uh, what he's going to do. Yeah. So last year I shot the revolt and uh, absolutely love it. it. And funny thing about that is um, I actually just gave that bow to my brother uh, down in Oklahoma. He's been a big Matthews guy. And uh, he's been, he started shooting. And he texted me and he said that uh, he's 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 Bowtech for sure. So he can't believe how smooth it is and and accurate. So um, Do you shoot yeah. in a comfort setting, JT, or the performance? What's that? Do you know if he's shooting at comfort setting or performance? Uh, performance. He's shooting it just how I gave it to him. Yep. We actually have the same draw length and everything, so it's kind of kind of nice. But um, no, this year I'll be shooting the solution. Um, just waiting for those to come in. Um, like Chad said, the FMJs, full metal jackets. I've, I've shot those for, I think the last three years and absolutely love those. Um, 70 pounds. I use the, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, um, I've had a couple bad situations with mechanicals. So I, I do like the, the fixed blades. Um, I've shot the Kudu points for the last couple of years. Uh, and just this last year, um, they, they added the little bleeders to it and, um, because that would that would be my one one thing that I didn't like about you know downside to to some fixed blades is the uh, the blood trails, but that bleeders definitely help a little bit with that. I can't think that's the I think they call it the contour. Um, but 125 grains up front, I like a little bit heavier of an arrow. Um, I can't remember exactly what my arrows. Do you remember what they were wearing, Chad? What arrow you were shooting? No, the weight. Oh yeah, you were. I, I know you're. What you're. You were. Over 500 grains, I know that. Um, I was shooting, I want to say I was, I think I was 475 grains. I was shooting the titanium outsert on mine as well. Actually, on the, the tapered, you don't have to because they're already tapered and there's a lot of weight forward on those. But the new ones I'm shooting this year, I'm shooting with a titanium outsert to get me, I think they're, I think they're an additional 70, 80 grains on the front. 75. 75. And then, uh, I'm shooting the, uh, Pavilion HVs. I'm sorry. I missed that on the broadhead. So I'm shooting the a fixed blade, um, wasp Pavilion Pavilion HVs. And I really like those, but yeah, so JT, you were shooting, uh, you're well over 500. I almost want to say you were pushing the 575 mark because you're shooting, uh, you're shooting a 330, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And you're shooting 29 inch draw, uh, uh, 28 and a half. And after, yeah, so you were you were definitely well over 500 grains with that with that 125 grain, because um, I'm only a I'm I'm only a 400 spine, so you're quite a bit heavier on the on the arrows as far as you, grains per inch. So you running the regular insert, regular hit insert on yeah. those full metal jackets. You're not running the brass. No. So you're probably right around the 540 mark. Yeah. Right around 540, 560. I used yeah. to shoot those full metal jackets all the time, but. I, have, I went back to the axis too, just because I shoot so much. Yeah, that's and, that's what Chad was telling me. Yeah, you end up getting them bent. Either you either break them or you don't. That's the thing with the all carbon. Those axes are are crazy rugged. Um, oh yeah. And and JT, I mean, you're you know you're shooting 
you know, rib cage shots and you're still coming up. I mean, I think it's because when you're hitting the ground, you're getting a bend in them and you can't, you're, you can't bend carbon. It doesn't stay bent. You either break it or you don't, you know? Right. And especially now that you're, when you throw that weight forward, you know, you throw the, a titanium outsert on the front of it, the half outs. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love, I love that setup, but those, those T64s were, and they shot good, but who the hell's, I thank God they gave them to me. They're 299, 299 bucks a dozen. Right. And, uh, it's just not for the practical hunter, but I, they shoot. I mean, they're, it's crazy how well they shot. Yeah. But those, those kudos, they, I mean, they'll punch through some bone. I know last year I had a, uh, a couple shots that hit spine and the, the one bear I hit shot through, through its spine and out its lungs on the one side. Cause I was pretty high up in the, in the tree in the saddle. And um, I mean, that, they just punch right through those, those, those backbones or through the shoulder. You know, I had a couple, couple deer before I started shooting uh, fixed blades and you hit them in the shoulder and it's just, you know, a little bit of blood for a little while. And then you find an arrow that didn't get any penetration. So. Cool. I mean, it's, it's funny listening to Chad because a lot of this whole day has been, this whole podcast has been, he says things that I hear from John all the time and like your bow set up and like everything, everything that you said, except for the micro adjust stuff is like, John could have like scripted that for you. So it's, it's, it's yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little OCD when it comes to noise on a bow. And I mean, you can get most of that out of there, but like I said, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, I ran, I, I owned an archery shop for 10 years. So the, someone would come in with their bow and what's making noise. Well, it's the, it's the worm gear. Right? If you want a micro adjustable, you got to crank that down, you know, once you get it adjusted and, and you can, you know, lock it down. But a lot of times they do start to, you know, when you shoot them, they'll chatter loose a little bit. You got to crank them back down again. You can, you know, it, it, you could definitely get rid of it. It's just a matter of maintenance and staying on top of it. So it doesn't loosen up on you, but I mean, it's not going to, your adjustment's not going to move, but that worm gear, that little washer that they got, they have to have a little bit of play in order to work. And just right. an beast to have that mechanical piece on there. Yes. And I've the last two years, well, I was shooting Hoyt and then last year I went to the PSC. And then right now I've got the revolt X sitting with my name on it up at the pro shop. Cause that thing just shot lights out. They're, sweet, they're sweet bowls. I shoot mine in the performance setting too. And, uh, um, I might have to, I might have to throw Jody's in the comfort setting. She's, she's kind of being a wuss about her elbow again. So <laughs> trying to get as much speed out of it as I can for her, but we'll have to, if I can keep her shooting, that's the key things, keep her from whining. So we might have to throw her back in the comfort setting. You shooting yours in this, uh, performance or comfort. I just haven't set it for the comfort right now, but you could gain about on, on average, it's between 10 and 12 feet per second, depending on your draw length. Yeah, well, I have 31 inch draw length, so it's so you're a short fella. <laughs> yeah. yeah, big arms. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, well, six three. So yeah, uh, and 31 is. I mean, I can, I can shoot a 30 and a half, but 31 is. I can even stretch it out even past that. So yeah, yeah, you got a lot. You got a lot of bonus kinetic energy there. That's for <laughs> sure. Yeah, like my Hoyt, that was 80 pounds, 31 inch draw length, and that thing was just a, I mean, well, I shot it up at 12 archery challenge and half the time we could barely get it out of the targets. Right. That was one of the only nice things about a full metal jacket is the, they're not carbon, so they don't burn to the foam, the metal. Right. That, that is one bonus to it. Yeah. So what can we expect from Redneck Rising, like going forward right now? And then where can everybody follow along with everything you're doing? And like, seriously, 
we need to get up your your Instagram. So we'll have everybody make sure you tell everybody what the Instagram is. <laughs> yeah. Um. So as far as following us goes, we're, we're uh, Redneck Rising TV on on Facebook, and then uh, I think I got to make sure I'm looking right now while I'm because I, I changed it. I got rid of. I think I got rid of the TV part, right? JT on Instagram. Yeah, it's just an underscore at the end. Yep, just a redneck rising with the underscore as uh, Instagram, and then, um, yeah, J- JT JT Bouchard. Um, you know, Jody, you can search Jody with uh, Jody with an I, Jody Draper, and then Marissa Draper. She's uh, she's redneck Rissa on there, and then uh, Derek is DWD something, so he's Derek Draper, and then uh, Richard Gallian. I know you spelled your brother's name wrong, JT, didn't you? In the one. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was Gayan. <laughs> yeah. You got Richard, and then uh, Maddie doesn't have one yet, right? No, not for a while. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's where we're at. And then, of course, if you check, you can check us out on the Pride Outdoor Network. Um, and certainly, I mean, it's it's a good outlet if you're getting into hunting and you you got a small budget and you want to get some analytics. You you know, that's one of the key things is getting your analytics. You know, we can get analytics through our YouTube channel, and it shows your time viewed and when people are cutting in and cutting out and um but the cool thing with uh with pride outdoor network is they give you a you know they'll send you the analytics uh every month um so for 150 bucks you know you air all your episodes for a year and you can't beat it he's actually building you know your own roku channels now too if you want for i think like 500 bucks i think it is so but then you've got your own channel on on roku as well or any of those like fire stick type things but uh yeah redneck rising next year though um I think you're going to see a lot more of me if, as long as I listen to JT and Cleet and go hunt and stop worrying about the girls and make them go figure it out themselves and stop, stop guilting myself. And, uh, but I think they're right. I think it's going to add to the team dynamic. I think it'll be fun to watch the girls get some shit done on their own. Um, I usually slaughter a ton of dough, but that the last couple of years has kind of gone wayside because I'm filming them. So I don't know, maybe JT and I'll put a little uh, competition together. And uh, if I can get away from the grills, we'll see if we see how many uh, freezer queens we can do or something. I don't know. And then a lot uh, of editing. <laughs> yeah. yeah toward, towards the end of the editing, uh, JT and I are both like, ah, screw it. Throw the, throw the, both those kills in the same episode. And like, let's just, let's get it done with. We're, you know, we were starting to get warm weather. We both wanted to get into the food plots. And so he's like, ah, I might not even do my muzzleloader kill. And, I'm like, now nah, do it, you know, and oh, you were having trouble finding the footage, but uh, yeah, I think you're going to see JT and I do a little bit more hunting together. I think we're going to do some public land hunting, um, a little bit more over the shoulder um, stuff. Uh, you're going to see the girls hunting together. And then uh, definitely, I think a lot more saddle hunting for me. Um, I, I really, like I said, I really enjoyed that. Um, Trophy line has <laughs> got some ridiculously good products coming out this year, the platforms, EDP and, uh, and some of the other stuff. So um i just it, you know what i've been bull hunting for 34 35 years and it really really changed things not that like i said not that i don't have fun but it was something completely new it was a new challenge um i was bound and determined to kill a buck with the bow and uh, it almost took all the gun season before i did it but um i think you're gonna see see more of that and i think uh yeah i think it's gonna be fun i think I think you're going to watch the girls. Uh, you'll, you'll see the true d- dynamic with those two because Marissa can be pretty, pretty nasty with her mom. So it'll be pretty funny to watch those, watch those two bicker in the tree. If you think Jody and I were bad, get ready. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on and, you know, taking the time out of your, your work and, 
you know everything else you have going on so i mean i really oh, thanks, appreciate thanks it this is this is fun this is uh it's pretty cool i you know going back to your earlier stuff like being nervous about doing this stuff it's funny i'm after you do this for a little bit you're not you're not nervous about it at all it's kind of just second nature so you got to get that guy there that's sitting next to you or wherever he's at and get him to loosen up in front of the camera <laughs> maybe maybe we'll get you guys out here in new york and do a hunt together and have some fun go go slaughter some does i'm in you, you we just need to make sure that john's the one doing all the talking so yeah <laughs> i'll be behind the camera okay. <laughs> all right guys maybe we'll we'll a shooter <laughs> yeah. all right thanks guys thank you